love is all you need. Love is all you need. And I do believe that that was the message of Jesus the Christ. I do believe that that was his recognized purpose here on earth. And I also believe that what made that purpose manifest was that he recognized it. Because I believe that the Father has sent every one of us here to the earth for the purpose of unconditional love. And the big difference between the Christed being is that he took on the mantle of the Christ. He said, I know what I'm here for, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to be that in this world. And so at any moment, any of us, as St. Paul said, could put on the mantle of the Christ. Just put it on. I was sent in this world to love, to be loved, for the purpose of loving. And when we put it on, we claim that Christhood, that Christ kept saying, when you figure it out, you'll do what I did and greater works than these. Greater works than these. And, you know, he said it, and he said it fairly quietly in a fairly small and anonymous part of the world. And we're still talking about it over 2,000 years later. We're still talking about what he said. And so we will um, be exploring today a little bit of the Palm Sunday story. This is the traditional Palm Sunday where Jesus took his disciples and said, it's time to go for the Passover feast, and we're going to stay with these great friends in Jerusalem, and we're going to celebrate the Passover, the high holy day, the, one of the holiest days of the year in the Jewish calendar. We're going to celebrate that together in Jerusalem, the city of peace. And so when the word got around that Jesus was entering Jerusalem, the crowds started to gather, for they had heard of these great works of love that he had been doing. The healings, the absolute and total and, un, and, and unconditional acceptance of everyone who came to him, whether prince, pauper, tax gatherer, leper, prostitute, farmer, anyone who decided to make them save themselves available to the love that Christ had to give, he welcomed in with open arms. And those who did not make themselves available he prayed for them. Not because, oh no, they're going to hell because they're not loving, but because, oh no, they've created a hell for themselves because they've created a world without love. See that? When, he, when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven with, is within you, it's among you, he meant don't wait for some other time. He meant it's now. He meant it's here. He meant you have to choose it. You don't have to go anywhere. You have to look around and then choose it. And I believe one of the most poignant parts, maybe the most poignant part of the Jesus story, and the reason that we're still talking about it all this time later, is because Jesus... You know, it's funny, when, when, the, when he came into Jerusalem, I got off track, the crowds knew he was coming, so they started, at first his disciples laid their garments in the road in front of them. They laid their garment across a donkey or colt, and he rode that very humble animal into town, particularly to say, I'm not the kind of king you think I am. <laughs> I'm the king of the kingdom of heaven. I'm not the king of the kingdom of earth. 
until the kingdom of heaven is brought fully to earth. And so the crowds began to lay palm fronds on the ground in front of them as, as a gesture of honor and respect that we don't even want your donkey's feet to touch the ground. They treated him like a king. They called him king of the Jews. They called him Lord. They called him Savior. They sang Hosanna, which means save us. A lot of people think Hosanna means hallelujah. It doesn't. It means save us. It means have mercy. And in the way that they were shouting it, it probably meant something like, oh, merciful one. We're so glad that you're here. Hosanna, Hosanna to the king of kings. And within just a few days, that adoring crowd, as we'll talk more about next week, that adoring crowd turned into a horrible mob that was out for blood. Y'all, that's not some bad people that lived 2,000 years ago. That's us. We can turn on a dime when we don't get what we want. <laughs> but still, I believe one of Jesus' greatest powers and the reason it's so, his presence is so alive in so many people today, in people of all different types of faith, still looking to that very, very, very powerful, powerful dude, Jesus. Because he, the one title that he called himself over and over again was son of man. The son of man has come that you might. The son of man has come to tell you. The son of man. Now I believe that what he was trying to say is don't try to make me a God. I'm the son of God just as you are. In other words, I am created in love for loving, and I have realized it, and so I'm living it. And don't you use me as an excuse not to realize the love that's within you. Don't say, well, I can't be him because I'm not a king. I am the son of man. He says it over and over again, and I believe that one of the truly beautiful things about the Christian religion is this closeness that we can develop with the Christ, not just the Christ, but Jesus the Christ, because we understand that he understands, that he understood, that he came to this earth born to a person, to a human in pain, born into probably relative poverty, lower middle class, born into not a um, priestly rank at all, and yet came to be this person that we're still talking about 2,000 years later. He knew love. Jesus knew love. He loved his friends. He expressed love to them. He expressed love to people who were not lovable at all. He did not make a distinction between those who appeared as not lovable and those who appeared worshiping at his feet. When the disciples tried to lift him up into his kinghood, he got down on the floor and he washed their feet. This was an act of service, of course, an act of love, but also an act of saying, you and I don't think we're different. 
don't think the spirit of the Father within me is the same spirit of the Father within you. When you recognize it, when you recognize it, he loved Mary. He loved his disciples, no matter how hard-headed they were and how many times they got it wrong. He knew grief. It's hard to really identify with a spiritual being who never felt any grief. It's easy to say, well, yeah, of course you can be perfect. Nothing bad ever happened to you. And this is not true for Jesus. Lazarus died and he wept. Even though he knew he had the power to do something about that, still he experienced loss. He experienced loss in his life. He experienced temptation. One of the first things he did when he began to take on the mantle of teacher, the mantle of teacher is he, was, he went out to, into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, what that means in the Bible is as long as it takes. When you see the number 40, it happens over and over again. That means as long as it takes. As long as it takes. And he fasted and he prayed and he was tempted because he knew that the power within him, the power, not the, the power within him, was capable of anything. And that he could use that power to make life really hunky-dory here on earth. But his choice was to not let his ego feed him those thoughts. To tell Satan, get behind me. Nuh-uh, you are not in the driver's seat here. You may, be, you may be here, but you're not in the driver's seat. I'm in the driver's seat. Spirit is in the driver's seat. The Father within me is in the driver's seat. The love that I am is driving this bus, so you better get on to the back. He was tempted. He had a body just like we do. We know what makes our bodies feel good and what doesn't make our bodies feel good. He could have had all the good things. And he did choose some. That's the other thing about him. He wasn't, not only did he not set himself as somebody that was so much better, he also set himself as somebody who would sit down and have a, have a glass of wine with you. Have lunch. Rejoice. He went to parties. He stayed at people's houses. He expressed affection for people. Just like one of us. Just like one of us. He enjoyed the simple joys. A good dinner. He humbled himself. He chose to ride into town at his most triumphant moment when the people were actually starting to get behind him, not just the few disciples, but the majority of the Jews in the city to say, this is the guy, this is the Messiah, Woohoo! He chose to come in on the colt of a donkey. He chose that, I believe that he chose that. He had sadness and he had fear. It'd be really easy to say, well, of course Jesus got, you know, he's way, he's way above us. We could never do, we could never do what he did. When he knew he was going to be betrayed, he was bereft. He was hurt. He was betrayed by the people who he had given the most trust and love to. And when he went to pray, to say, I don't want to do this thing that's coming for me. 
I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to be hung up on a cross and ridiculed. It hurts. I don't want to have to go through that. But if it is mine to do, I am willing. Because I understand that what is mine to do, I do for the purpose of love and love only. And so the disciples fell asleep in the garden. He said, just wait with me a minute. And he comes out and he's like, couldn't even stay awake for a minute while I'm over here praying for my life. Y'all remember, we are the disciples. (laughs) Just as we're saying, oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, God. Oh, yes, I get it. I love you. We fall asleep. And we have to be reawakened. He was not only betrayed by people that he loved, he pre-forgave those. He said, I know you're going to betray me. I want you to know I love you anyway. Go and do what you need to do. He said that to Judas. Go and do what's yours to do. He knew. You ever had anybody like that in your life where you knew, this is not going to be good? And could you draw from within yourself, from that father within the ability to love so much that you forgave before the deed was even done. In other words, you understood that nothing that happens in this outer world matters. What what matters is the love, the love between me and you, the love between me and everyone. You know, one of the things that Jesus endured that made him very, very human was that he hung around as many of us do, with a lot of stupid people. (laughs) People who just wouldn't get it. And he would repeat himself over and over again. And I believe that Jesus as a teacher kept saying what was his to say and kept looking at the blank faces of the people around him and finally went, ah, I understand what my teaching actually is. My teaching is not what I tell you. My teaching is my life itself. And so I'm going to teach you with that. That's how important it is to me for you to get the message of love. I'm going to teach you with my life. He was tired. He was weary. He got weary of stupid people. Come on. I can just hear him going, come on, guys. He tries to take a nap in a boat. They're like, oh, a storm's happening. Please, can we have some peace around here? That's kind of what he said. Peace be still. And the storms were calmed. Well, literal storms, maybe. But I think the point of of that was he was saying, the peace is here. You may never control all of that. But you can always find the peace here. Be still. Be still. And in the end, Jesus disappointed people. I think that's maybe one of a human's greatest fears. Anybody in here afraid of disappointing people? (laughs) What will they say? What will they think? What if I never get a chance to explain myself? And yet, all of those thousands and thousands upon thousands of people who said, you are our great hope. You are the one come to save us. We believe in you. And he said, yeah, that's not the kind of saving I meant. I didn't come to be your king on earth. I came to show you that there is a greater kingdom. 
I am king of that kingdom. And that kingdom lives within each and every one of you. We are the children of that kingdom. And so the crowd turned ugly because he changed, because he got less loving, because his teaching changed. Not at all. He was absolutely who he was to the very end, teaching some of his greatest lessons right up until his last moments. What changed is the people said, you're the king. He didn't say it. They said it. You're the king. And then he acted like who he came to be, the king of the spiritual realm. And they said, no, 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 no. We don't care about the spiritual realm. We want Caesar out of here. We want, you to, we want you to be the king of the Jews and to put us in the top spot again. We want you to get all those furners out of here. We want to rule ourselves. And Jesus said, if you want to rule yourself, then first you've got to rule yourself. <laughs> the hardest ruling that there is to do, to rule ourselves because he recognized that we were waiting for someone else to do something for us that was actually ours to do all along. Why do you think there was dancing in the streets? Somebody's going to save me so I get to sit back and eat bonbons. That'd be fun. Probably not that much fun, though, actually. He said, no, no, saving is yours. And you have to choose it. And you have to keep choosing it every day of your life. And the way that you choose it is you continue to act in love. And when you find yourself falling asleep, you wake yourself back up. Better surround your yourself with people who are willing to see when you've fallen asleep and wake you up. And your job is to see when they're falling asleep and wake them up. Not by saying, hey, I noticed that you're not being nearly as good as me lately, so you should probably wake up and be a little better. But by saying, hey, I see you. I think you've forgotten who you are. I think you've forgotten why you're here. Do you not realize that you are here to shine? You are here to shine the love of Christ within and without yourself. To share the love of Christ with every being with which you come in contact. You are here to be the love of Christ alive in the world notwithstanding what happens to Jesus' body. He said the love of Christ will live on when you live as the love of Christ in the world. I am here for a short time. I showed you what to do. Now it's yours. It's yours to take over. So, when we put conditions on how love is supposed to look, on how mercy is supposed to look, on how our lives are supposed to look. And then we get disappointed because those conditions are not met. That pretty much describes life on earth, right? We get disappointed because conditions are not met. Who's hurting whom? Who let who down? We're letting ourselves down when we wait for something outside of ourselves to give us what we already have. Jesus said in Luke, if you say the kingdom is here, you, sorry, the birds are going to get there before you. 
If you say it's here, the fish have already gotten there. The kingdom of heaven is within you. In some translations, it, it means among you. It's within and among you. It's already here. Claim it. And because people did not want to hear that, he was put to death. He was put to death. And he was willing to go even that far because he knew that love can never die. Jesus the Christ lives on and on and on and on. There's a demonstration of that coming in a week's time. There's a demonstration coming of that, and I can't wait to talk to you about Easter and metaphysics. But you get that he understood that his death meant nothing because everything that is born dies. That which is eternal, love, God, goodness, creativity, endless possibility, that which is eternal was not born and therefore cannot die, but can only continue growing and growing and living and growing. And so I suggest that as you go through this week, you think about what it is that you're putting your palms down in front of. Are we here to put our palms down only in front of that which promises to give us the outer conditions that we seek? Or are we willing only, as much as we can remember and stay awake, to put our palms down in front of anything which carries love? In front of any act which is an act of love? In front of any person which is a person of love? Which, guess what, y'all? All people. We don't all act like it, but we all are it. Jesus saw that in every person. And yes, he wept. He wept because you don't know who you are. But I'm going to do my best to show you. That was his message to the world, and we are still talking about it. Go in love.